Hello everyone and welcome to episode 374 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey Seth, doing well? How are you doing? I'm doing it, doing well as well. We got a little uh, springtime snowstorm here. I woke up today and there was like <laughs> snow on the ground what? and snow plows, and I was like, oh my god, it's like April. But other than that, I'm uh, I'm doing well. Uh, but that's off topic. We got another co-host in Cram. Good morning, Cram. How are you today? Good morning. Uh, pretty pretty good. Pretty excited. Uh, you know, because we're just perpetually in spoiler season. Oh yeah. We are. We we have actually we're we're in spoiler season for a set that doesn't come out for two sets from now in June or something. Uh, we got Commander Legends two spoilers. Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate a little early sneak peek, and that's one of our big topics today. That's actually what we're starting off with is uh, some spoilers for our newest Commander Legends. I also want to talk about that set coming to Magic Arena. There's this interesting graph about creature types over time that was published this week that I kind of wanted to get your opinion on. I might talk a little bit about uh, mechanics in Magic, mechanics that we'd like to see more often based on a question Mark Rosewater has today, and then of course answering your fish mail. So that's kind of the overview of the cast today. Before we get into it, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit. And we've been telling you about Card Conduit, a great way to sell your Magic collection in their curated shipment service that lets you sell your valuable cards with a reduced service fee for a while now. As long as you have cards with a retail value of two dollars or more you can send in as many as you want and still just pay a five percent service fee and as with all of card conduit services you don't gotta sort your cards you don't gotta grade your cards you get to skip over all those hassles and just safely package everything up and ship them out and you'll get a detailed report with the results so you can check out card conduits curated shipment option as a way to buy list cards with fast processing optimized prices and the low low service fee of just five percent and right now you can even get another ten percent off by heading over to card conduit Conduit.com slash MTG Goldfish Card Conduit. They're the easiest way to sell your magic card. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some magic. And let's start, I guess, with the biggest news, which is our sneak peek at Commander Legends to Battle for Baldur's Gate. Uh, so we don't have a ton of information on this set. This was one of our, uh, Wizards' like super early sneak peek streams. So we got a couple of reprints four new cards i believe but anyway richard why don't you guide us through these new commander legends cards all right so commander legends battle for boulders gate the set code is clb releasing in june okay uh first up we have a new commander planeswalker card minsk and boo timeless heroes <laughs> two red and a green so four mana value three starting loyalty Legendary Planeswalker Minsk. The static ability is when Minsk and Boo uh, enters the battlefield and at the beginning of your upkeep, you may create Boo, a legendary 1-1 red hamster creature token with trample and haste. <laughs> plus one, put three plus one plus one counters on up to one target creature with trample or haste. Minus two, sacrifice a creature. When you do... Minsk and Boo deals X damage to any target where X is that creature's power. If the sacrificed creature was a hamster, draw X cards. <laughs> Minsk and Boo can be your commander. This card's sweet. Like, I, I mean, I'm always a little skeptical of 
Planeswalkers as your commander. We haven't seen too many examples of those cards being like really, really strong, but this card feels pretty good to me if you really think about what it does. It's a four mana Planeswalker that if you just play it and plus it, comes along with a 4-4 Trample Haste, and you still have all the loyalty on your Planeswalker, that seems kind of powerful. And then you get some, you know, sacrifice shenanigans. Uh, unfortunately, Boo's the only hamster in Magic, so that text, <laughs> unless you're playing Changelings, which is a way you could build around this, but unless you're playing Changelings, like you're only drawing the cards if you sack the Boo, but that's fine. You can play this and pump and then next turn sacrifice and you're getting your Boo back anyway. So I feel like this is like kind of a pretty interesting build around commander that can go in a few different directions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I can't help but laugh because every time you keep saying boo, I <laughs> and like I just keep thinking of that one song from the early 2000s from Usher and Alicia Keys. <laughs> my my boo <laughs> and i feel like there's just no way you're not singing that when you play this right <laughs> and the fact that magic has gotten to the point where we've got hamsters <laughs> uh, yeah, this hamster business I, I i think that i think this is like a D character and the hamster it is is a thing yeah yeah I, yeah I, this thing's pretty good. It's like standard playable, man. <laughs> it's like four so, mana, four, uh, four trample haste. And it has like four loyalty and an ability. Uh, but, you know, it's not standard legal. It's commander only. But I would just throw this in random commander decks, right? Like four mana, four, four. And then if you get to untap with it, you can draw four off of this and dome something. Like, it's insane. And then it works with changelings, as Seth pointed out. Um, yeah. You can also put plus one, plus one counters on like non-hamsters, right? Like anything with trample or haste. So if you have a brawn or an anger in your graveyard, yeah. you know, that's anything, right? So this plus ability is actually pretty good as well. So I think this is actually a, a very strong commander, even though it's like literally a hamster commander. <laughs> yeah. I think I think you can build around this in a in a few different ways or maybe some mixture of, the, of these ways. But like uh, the changeling thing is pretty cute. It, the plus one plus one counter theme, as you mentioned, it's pretty easy to have trample and haste in gruel. There's a lot of cards that just grant that to your entire team. So you can kind of build around those mechanics. There's even like some payoffs. I think Courtwood Crasher is kind of like a pseudo lord for trample creatures. There's also like proud will bonder, I think it's called. So there's some synergies like mechanic matter synergies and then you could also play this like a, a gruel like brian stout armor or whatever like a a threatened style commander where you're trying to just like yoink your opponent's creatures and then sack them to the negative two so i think this is actually i don't know i'm hyped to build around this card need an uh. equipment that turns things into hamsters <laughs> then that, that would complete oh, you can yoink equip it and then chuck it and like draw like a million cards <laughs> yes mask with nexus we had we do have like we do have cards that will do that. Not equipment, actually, but like Masquid Nexus would make everything you control into a hamster. So there are ways to hamsterfy your board. Yeah. And then there's the blue enchantment, but then now you're playing like what four colors. But <laughs> yeah, when I think you only get ne uh, Nexus if you're playing Minsk and Boo as your commander. I think that's the only one that's in Gruel colors. But yeah, this card would be legit in standard. It reminds me a little in a weird way of like Arlen, how you get this hasty threat of a planeswalker. And I guess Arlen, New Arlen, has it like super taken off. In standard but still like if this card was actually legal outside of legacy i think it would be constructed playable is it legacy playable will we see a hamster uh, hamster hamster i mean there, there's been something. 
there have been like changeling changeling tribal decks people have done videos on them we've played some in like modern and so forth kind of like tomer's tribal tribal deck but the legacy version mostly with magda and a whole bunch of changelings i don't know maybe it works there like maybe you play it in that deck like it's obviously a meme like tier four deck or whatever but still maybe there's a shot i okay. i can't see it getting played there but you know what yeah <laughs> Don't worry, you just back it up with very powerful support cards. Anything is possible, Chris. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's like the legacy MO, right? Like you you just whatever, put it in the shell of like staples and you'll be fine. Yeah. All right. Next up we have Elder Brain. Five black blacks, so seven <laughs> mana value, six six, creature horror, menace. When Elder Brain attacks a player, exile all cards from that player's hand. Then they draw that many cards. You may play lands and cast spells from among the exiled cards for as long as they remain exiled. If you cast a spell this way, you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. This is a crim card. This is, oh my god. Yes! This card is so sick, right? Like, this is absolutely what a good time looks like. Like I, I I am so excited to to like essentially play around and build around this card, right? I mean, for starters, I know that the Elder Brain exists in the world of D D, but I can't help but think of the dude that like sits on his like brain. That's how big it is. Like he uses it as a chair, that meme. But like legitimately, <laughs> this card is it's just when it attacks, right? So like you can there's so many shenanigans, people talking about like Ishin and stuff like that. I'm just out here trying to play it with like yeah, like a, a notion thief or just a straight up uh because I have an Umbris deck, so it is a horror. Like this card just seems absurdly powerful. I, I love this card though. It steals your opponent's entire hand. Like that's such a sweet commander mechanic. Like uh, yeah, you can build around, play it in Ishin, play it with Notion Thief, but it's just like it's super fun. I love theft style yeah. cards, and it's just like really neat. We've never actually seen one that can steal your opponent's entire hand in one shot, and uh, those cards are gonna stay there, right? Like uh, those cards are gonna be there forever. Uh, so you're gonna have access to those for turns and turns. This isn't like cast them until the end of your next turn or something. They're just like there. So I think this is actually really powerful. As you mentioned, you don't even have to hit your opponent. You just gotta attack with it. And then if you had those shenanigans, the notion thieves or doubling up the trigger or whatever, then yeah. this card gets even crazier. So I, uh, this might be my favorite card they've spoiled so far. Not because I think it's busted. Like it's seven mana. It doesn't do anything until it attacks. So I don't think it's like busted. It just seems super fun. I hate yeah. how it's an attack trigger. <laughs> what? It should be combat it's, damage. Like you can't. It should be ETB and attacks. It's seven <laughs> mana. It's seven <laughs> you mana. You can't stop this. You you need to actually like hard remove it. Like you can't interact with it in another way. Um. You do get your hand back, though. Like, you get a replacement hand unless they have, like, a Narset on the battlefield or something. So it's not the end of the world. And you can also use it politically. You may want to get attacked to wheel your hand oh, yeah. away, essentially. Um, but, you know, if people have a nice hand, maybe they drew, like, 20 cards or something off Ristic Study, they're going <laughs> to kill this immediate. Like, you know, no one's going to let this untap and go, right? So it's... I don't know. Maybe you become arch enemy. Maybe you don't. It's it's very dicey. But uh, these attack triggers, like, come on. You you just play one with nothing to to get them. If they attack you with it, you're like, ha ha! <laughs> Discard my hand. Nice try, Elder Brain. <laughs> <sighs> Got him. You kept the single uh, one with nothing in the event this happens. <laughs> gotta play around it. Yeah, gotta be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
I need Hall Breacher. Can you imagine Hall Breacher with this? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yes. You would have the mana to cast those spells instantly, right? Oh, I'd be that so would be busted. So good. I lo- would love that. I know you would, Cram. I know no. you would, Cram. <laughs> why? Why is this not a thing? Why was that card even banned? All right. Next up, we have Ancient Brass Dragon, five black, black, seven mana value. Creature Elder Dragon, 7-6 flying. Uh, when it deals combat damage to a player, roll a d20. When you do, put any number of target creature cards with total mana value X or less from graveyards onto the battlefield under your control, where X is the result. Is this card good? I, I think <laughs> if you hit a I think it is. <laughs> I mean, okay, so let's say you're rolling a d20. So let's say the average is 10. So you're right. what, getting back a couple creatures, maybe one really big creature and a small creature, several small creatures. That doesn't seem that bad. I mean, that seems reasonable. I guess there's risk. Anytime there's a, a dice rolling involved, you just you never know. You could roll a one and get back, I don't know, a bird's paradise or something or Llanowar elves, which would be a little disappointing. But still, like. That, that seems like it offers a lot of value if you can get in a hit with it, right? I, I think it, it could be. Like, it, it just seems really solid, right? Like, I mean, it, this this seems pretty good for a seven-mana card, especially in dragons. You could definitely... I, I think I like it. I'm not 100% sure how good it is yet, but I think I like it. It's, it's another seven-drop that doesn't do anything immediately. And I feel like with cards like this, like, if it costs seven mana and it doesn't have a ETB, and it needs to actually, like, attack to do something, Wizards can put a lot of power into a card like that, and and I think it's going to be perfectly fine for the format. So this is another one that I don't think is going to be, like, busted, but I definitely think it's playable. I play it in Dragon decks. I play it in Reanimator-style decks. Imagine, like, uh, getting this back with your Olivia, and then this mm-hmm. hits your opponent, and then you get to reanimate a whole bunch of other stuff. So if you're uh, playing reanimator, like doubles up your reanimator. I don't know if I just would you play in just like a random mono black deck as like a finisher. I'm just playing mono black, whatever. Would you just throw this in, or do you need more of those synergies? You think to really be interested in it in commander? I think you. I don't know if you can just throw it in any mono black deck because when you think about like how like like example elder brain, there's so many things that are just high CMC. Right. So yeah. it's it's probably in something like an aristocrats deck or something cool like that or like something like that's got probably an actual curve. Yeah, that makes sense. Or it's dragons like Ur dragon yeah. is probably great. Kalia, yeah. things like that where you have like creature type synergies. Yeah. Yeah. Are you like like let's say it just literally said reanimate 10 mana value of stuff from graveyards like that's not good enough for a seven drop. Like I think, you know, it's not. The greatest card in existence, but I think that's fairly strong, right? You like Oh, it is. Think of what you can get in Commander, right? Like you're you're getting I think it's better than Elder Brain, right? Like it, like if, if you were oh, to yeah. choose something that hit something, right? Like this thing is a lot better, right? Because you're getting um multiple cards and you're getting ten mana off the deal, right? And you know, what you're getting in Commander is very strong, right? It could be a primordial, could be eternal witnesses, could be, you know, anything, right? So you know, it's very strong. It's just RNG. I hate the RNG aspect of it. It makes me want to not play it more because, you know, when you do it, you'll roll a one. When Seth does it, he'll hit a critical 20, right? Like, I, I don't like this RNG on a seven drop, um, but I think people will play it. And I think you know, like everyone will laugh at it because it's a seven drop that does nothing. But, you know, if they actually untap with it, it's like super scary, right? If they get a hidden, it's like super scary. And you have to get a hidden. So you can actually block to stop it. So I think the card's okay. 
could be very powerful okay. though if it actually goes off okay this or black primordial black primordial seven mana and you just reanimate a creature from each uh opponent's graveyard so you get one creature from each theoretically which would you play just in the dark black primordial yeah <laughs> you don't, you the don't ETB, need to hit the you don't gotta hit him yeah yeah but I mean, black prim- like the primordials are kind of like a an absolute like haymaker of a cycle, right? So so to fall through like a little short of that, I think is okay. I still think this card's good enough to play. Um, and, and like you know, it 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 it's a dragon, so that like that that's huge, right? Like the fact that it's a dragon and the type and whatnot usually does matter. So I don't know. Yeah, I think like, it's pretty uh, sweet. I think it's sweet too. I, I'm more in the like, oh, I can't wait to play it in like Kalia or other uh, Sign of the Ur Dragon. Things that can cheat this into play. I think this card's going to be like absurd. If you're casting it fairly, I think it's still like fine, but it gets way more exciting to me if I'm like cheating into play off Kalia and hitting with it right away. Then this card's like, whoo, really, really good in those decks. That's code name for overcosted. <laughs> <laughs> I love this yeah. card. If you can cheat it into play for like a third of its mana, <laughs> it's. Also interesting that it's not legendary. I believe this is the first ever non-legendary Elder Dragon in all of Magic's history. Oh yeah, I, I don't know That's if Elder right. Dragon is anymore, but this seems wrong. No, <laughs> should it? Legendary? seems weird that it's not legendary. Yeah, maybe it's I, a uh, traditionally D&D they're legendary. Elder Dragon, not to be confused with Nicol Bolas Elder Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I think, but like, like I don't know. You say Elder Dragon, you think like Treva and all of them, right? Yeah, that's what I think of the original like Legend Cycle and then the yeah Plane Shift Cycle or whatever it is. So yeah, it's still a sweet card though. All right, next up, Wand of Wonder, three and a red artifact, um, four tap. Roll a d twenty. Each opponent exiles from the top of their library until they exile an instant or sorcery. Then shuffles the rest. You may cast up to. X instant and or sorcery spells from among cards exiled this way without paying their mana costs. 1 to 9 on your d20. X is 1. 10 to 19. X is 2. 20. X is 3. It's it's like a chaos wand except you can't hit the painful truth. Or it'd be much harder to hit the painful truth. So I guess you could hit one out of each opponent's deck. But it's like a chaos wand that probably isn't going to whiff as much as chaos wand does. Yeah, this this is exactly what I need in my life because, you know, I do whiff with Chaos Wand every time, but it's fine. Like this, and like it's one more mana, they put it in red, so it's a little more restricted, but even with the RNG side of it, like one through nine, you know, like, like yada yada, that it's still, it's still great. I think this is just such a fun card. Oh, yeah. I mean, because even if you roll the worst, you're still getting a upgraded Chaos Wand. And if you roll well, whoo, you're getting like two or three spells, then that's kind of really really good the only downside is you gotta be red like so that does limit the number of decks you can play it in but still like i always like when chaos wand shows up in my commander games just because of the you never know what's gonna happen and it's usually like entertaining even if it's not good right right like it's always going to be like fun usually because it's like you spin the wheel right this one's cheaty though like chaos is truly chaos this one you get the best card of like three people's libraries. It's less chaosy, so less chaosy that. Do you think this is like a staple? Like, do you think you just throw this into random red decks and be good? Oh, hmm. Uh, I don't know about that. I, mean, I do think the it's average good. is two spells, right? Two spells. Looking at three people's libraries, and you get to choose two spells. So, like, right. I don't know what card that is. Like a weird ponder, right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's worth it. Like, uh, just value-wise, it's only four to activate. You're going to get way more than... If you get two spells, you're going to get more than four mana out of it, especially since 
you get to drop the worst one. Like if someone does have the painful truths, that's just the one you choose not to cast. Maybe it might actually be worth it. I mean, on the other hand, it is a little slow. It's four to cast and four to activate. So you're probably either doing it late game or waiting till the next turn to activate it. And it does get blown up. It's, you know, just a random artifact, but I don't know. I plan on jamming this in quite a few decks and just seeing what happens. I think it's way more worth it than Chaos Wand is just a random card. And we sometimes just play Chaos Wand because it's fun. Right. And that's actually like actively like really risky and not very good in Commander, but we still play it. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I don't think this is something I want in every deck. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't want this in every deck, actually. It is, it is good though, and I could be wrong here, but like, it just feels like that, that is like eight mana total, like in some decks. I actually know, but in Commander, you probably want a mana sink. You need, you need to hope for the untap, right? But it's actually pretty manageable on turn four to drop this and then turn five hit double explosive vegetation off your opponents or something, right? And just go like total ham. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely upside, or you hit their huge, you know, finisher or whatever. You're up against Spellslinger, hit something massive, and merging ultimatum. Like, there is, like, really powerful stuff you can hit off of it. And you can activate it at instant speed, right? So it works well, just like Chaos Wand, where you can can spin into a counter spell or something with a spell in the stack, like all those shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You can try to spin like into it. a counter spell. I bet, like, <laughs> at the same time, like, I don't know, like, the fact that it only hits, like, instance or sorceries right like that that just that may not be good enough that may be still a little too rng right like yeah. that, that's that still could be a little too rng to then throw into every deck like maybe maybe some decks may not need it and i mean you will run into uh, like some bad matchups we've seen that with chaos one too where you run into some people that just don't have good spells in their deck like their only <laughs> yeah, spells are like a couple of ram spells or whatever <laughs> there's three opponents that's, now that's the true it does make it a really lot harder to, by that but this one is good right that, yeah, it does get around that pretty well, I guess, because you're uh, hitting everyone's library. So I think it's on the fence for me. I, I'm going to try, try this, in a lot of decks. Yeah, I'm going to try this in a lot of I don't think this just only goes into chaos decks or whatever. I'm going to try it. And the hope is you just hit like two ramp spells off of it. <laughs> you drop it on turn four and you, you hope to hit like double ramp spell. And then like it's the greatest card in existence. Yeah, oh. it's it's no deck of many things, but it's not bad. You could hit a ramp spell <laughs> and a secret rendezvous. Oh. Oh, this is this is epic. <laughs> peak peak Richard. Peak 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 Richard. Um so those are all the previews. The the other thing is we have the uh Battlebond lands coming back. So yes. Promenade, uh, promenade, luxury suite, morphic pool, uh sea of clouds. Also reflecting pool. Is reflecting pool expensive, yeah. I remember. I forgot that was like it was a thirty dollars card. Yeah, yeah. Some, some of these I lands cheap, are pretty expensive. Yeah, so reflective well, the, the, pools. The commander back lands, well. the commander lands are like forty dollars most of them. Like the, at least yep. morphic pool was, right? It's like forty forty five, yeah. which is the, like kind of absurd. Yeah, I think when I checked it when they first spoiled them a couple days ago, I think they were like a low of eighteen from that cycle and a high of like thirty five. So really, like all of them are great opens. Like this is a really really good reprint cycle, and then reflecting pool a nice bonus. I was thinking that was like five bucks now or something, but it's still really expensive. Yeah, like re- like reflecting pool and all all these lands are just so pricey, and I'm kind of surprised that just legitimately the battle bond lands aren't in every commander precon. Gotta, gotta get that money, Krim. <laughs> yeah. I can't, can't give that's away what people will pay eight dollars I mean, a pack for. <laughs> that's fair, I guess. But like, come on, right? Like, if you're not, if you're like, at least put shocks in everyone. Then, 
You know, like we we had what a f- didn't a set of decks come with shocks or something? But either way, there shouldn't be like these like fifty dollar like commander lands. Yeah, that's the it would be- business model, Krim. At <laughs> every set, uh, your mana base is like eighty percent of your deck. <laughs> don't they have like a fifty dollar wild card bundle in real life? <laughs> <laughs> but at least they gave us command tower. That's something. At least can you? That card would be so expensive if they didn't print it that way. So it would be nice if they did do that with more decent. At least like do it with I don't know the the corset buddy lands or something like. They really yeah. could improve the mana bases of precons and and really help people build their collections more. I think you will take your guild gates and you will enjoy them. <laughs> guild gates with set so, mechanic. Oh my so god! So the the other thing we got is uh, the AFR showcase treatment coming back, but this time including spells. Last time it was all just creatures, so we get like lightning bolt and fireball. We've seen so far, which. I mean, I like that treatment. Do you all like the the AFR showcase treatment? Oh yeah. I mean, now now like this any any chance that I get to have uh more spells with different artworks, the better. So I I'm pretty excited for that. I like the frames themselves, but I think it's incredibly weak to reuse frames. Uh, so I, I find that lazy. I they should have came up with a new D and D frame for this set. Um, but really? yeah, the, the actual oh. frames are fine. I mean, I think I think I would have I would have liked more modules. Uh, th- those those frames are really cool. Uh, maybe I, th- that's like confirmed not in this, right? But, uh, like, they didn't say anything about the modules, so I don't know if they've confirmed one, one way or another. But they definitely did not announce modules, and they announced all the other showcase styles. So I'm assuming no. That's a bummer, because yeah, I I really like modules, right? I, I think the modules were awesome, and even then, like the the version, the showcase versions that came back in this, I thought were pretty sweet uh, originally. So it's cool to see them back again, just because it's very D and D. So like, it makes sense. So while we're on the topic of the new Commander Legends set, we got some uh, some arena news that I got to ask y'all about. So uh, Wizards was asked because they did a stream for this about, but if this set was coming to digital, Blake said he didn't know about Magic Online, which was actually kind of concerning that they didn't have an <laughs> answer for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, ask ask Daybreak about that one. So uh, we'll see. I uh, hopefully it does. But they did announce it's sort of coming to Arena with a product called uh, Alchemy horizons baldur's gate which is the paper commander legend set partly along with some remixed versions of the cards from the paper set to make them more digital friendly or something along with some actual like alchemy digital only cards playing on the theme it will be legal in alchemy uh, as you probably figured out by the name what do you think what do you think of this uh, I, so here's my confusion when they announced alchemy uh, in my head and maybe i was just projecting or thinking it the wrong way but in my head i was thinking okay alchemy is like fixed standard it's like standard but they can you know nerf and buff things and add a few cards to power up older archetypes but this is a full-on full-on set release it's even going to be draftable so this isn't like a 30 card alchemy release what do you think of this coming to arena and what is alchemy about do you even know what alchemy is about at this point well i think uh, I I kind of I like you originally thought this was just going to be a standard thing, but what I wanted from it, right, was for them to eventually turn alchemy as a way to like, cause cause a thing we often had uh, an issue with before was remember when Commander Legends came out or any new sets that came out that were kind of like Commander exclusives, it you couldn't get hyped for it if you were waiting for it on Arena, right? 
So this is a good way to get excited for it on Arena. Like, oh, well, cool, Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, right? Like, this is going to be sweet because it's also on Arena now. Or, like, parts of it. You could celebrate parts of it on Arena. So I think that part of it is kind of what I wanted from Alchemy, right? Like, this is why I wanted Magic to take a, like, take a dive into the digital space. Um, unfortunately, the economy is, well, a $50 wildcard bundle still, but, like, if, if you ignore that part, that huge glaring weak spot, um, I do, I do like that, that this is coming to, uh, Alchemy. I, I mean, I don't mind that it's not just full standard, because, as I said, right, like, I wanted them to explore the digital space, so. I have harsher words than that. <laughs> this, this is a money grab, man, like. Why are you adding commander cards into alchemy? Like we have, you know, the actual alchemy set that they release all the time for adding new cards. So you don't need like these random commander cards being added. And like chances are the cards that you're hyped about in commander legends are multiplayer cards that make no sense 1v1 and won't be added. Right. So I don't know what they're doing. And like, what is the direction of the format? Like this one really came out of left field for me like why are we adding commander cards into this it's it's like if wizards explicitly handpicked cards from the commander set to inject into legacy um you know it, it happens like naturally somehow but like for wizards to explicitly do it it's quite weird for me and especially since alchemy has so many avenues of adding new cards i don't know why they have to do this so it's it's strange and i I don't know. And it's just going to cause confusion. People will see it. They think they can play Commander on Arena or something. And I, I don't know. It just seems weird. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad they're adding it to Arena. I would have expected it to be a historic set. Uh, where the historic kind of being the, you know, the vintage of Magic Arena, essentially. So that's what I would have expected. Because I would like to see more supplemental products come to Arena. Uh, the alchemy part just really is it is odd to me like i hear what Krim is saying like uh, they are giving it its own i don't know voice they're making alchemy into its own thing where it's not just a remix version of standard i kind of like the idea of having a remix version of standard though and the farther alchemy gets away from standard i guess in one sense that's maybe a good thing because then you have two distinct formats on arena uh, and you get another actual format rather than alchemy just being you know a weird twist on standard but i kind of liked what they were thinking or what i thought they were trying to do with alchemy which was standard but you can improve it easily i also think uh, a little bit bad timing with everyone already kind of yeah. up in arms about the economy. And then Wizards is like, hey, guess what? We're releasing this huge, you know, news hat into alchemy that you're going to, you know, need to collect. Uh, <laughs> and it sounds like they're actually treating this like a real set. I don't know if this has been confirmed, but the way the schedule lines up. And if you look at Reno and like the mastery tree ends and so forth, it's pretty certain that uh, this summer the mastery tree is going to be for uh, alchemy horizons. Uh, if you're doing the mastery tree tree thing and you know grinding your rewards these are the packs you're going to be getting so it does seem like this is going to really really push players towards having to play alchemy and i'm going to be interested to see how that shakes out because people are just so up in arms about alchemy i don't know if people are going to be like okay like i don't really want to play alchemy but i don't really have an option because this is what you know the packs i'm getting and this is a set that's being supported and that's what the mastery tree is for or if that's going to go the other way and backfire and people are just like not going to buy the mastery tree this time around in protest of it being alchemy specific so uh, risky high risk strategy i think from wizard from wizards here considering just how disliked alchemy is in the community right now they're rolling the d20 seth 
Luckily. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, any other thoughts on uh, Commander Legends Two, Alchemy Horizons, any of that stuff before we hit up a couple other topics? All right, so. I want to ask y'all about creature types. There was this really cool uh, graph made by MTD Data Science. I think the the name of the account is MTGDS. It is on Reddit, uh, but it's a graph that shows creature types over time from the beginning of magic all the way up to uh the present day i don't know if y'all saw this i thought it was a really really interesting look at how much magic has changed over the years in terms of the creature type and the real big one that stuck out to me is you're, you're watching this graph and at the top of it you got you know uh, wizards and soldiers and clerics and walls and then all of a sudden about in the middle human becomes a creature type for the first time and then humans just outpaces the field. And by the time you get to the end of the graph, humans is almost doubled up the next closest creature type as far as how many have been printed. What do you think about this graph in general? And do you think we're getting too many humans? Like, is that becoming a problem at this point? Is there just too many of us? <laughs> I mean, it kind of makes sense why we have so many humans. But like, yeah, like I, I do... Hope they kind of dial back on the number of humans. Like, try, like, example, like, like, Night of Autumn, right? Like, that's like a, it's, it's got what? Like, it's, it's a dryad, like, night or something. Yeah. Like, I, I think <laughs> that they should experiment with some more, like, cool types instead of just going with the safe type, which is just humans, 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 and humans, right? Yeah. yeah I, I would I, like to see that. I don't think it's a gameplay thing, though, right? Like, they're, most characters in Magic are humans. Uh, because they want us to be able to relate to them or something like that, right? So you got to slap the human type onto no. them. But like, I don't, you don't play Final Fantasy to play human. You don't play WoW to be a human, right? Like, no, but most I, of the characters in those worlds are humans though, right? Like, well, you they're know, humanoids, right? Like you could still make humanoids. That's fine. I, I, yeah. right? Like, I mean, that's not the direction Wizards has gone, though, right? They always go to some plane where humanity is on the brink of disaster and you planes walk in and save humans or something, right? Like, I don't know. Like, all the characters are humans. Um, could we change it? Like, would, would magic be popular today if all of the main characters were non humans? Like, if you actually had it split between elves, orcs, angels, or, or whatever? I've, I, I think so. Do you think it would be less popular? Like, I kind look of at the feel planeswalkers. Like... All our planeswalkers are human, like minus like three or something, right? Like you know, we have a Johnny Kiora, I guess Nissa. Well, Kiora's not human though. Kiora no, no, is human. Oh, non-human. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of Nixilis, I think. And then the rest are all Nico Bolas. You you Nicol might have Bolas. forgotten a certain somebody. It's okay. Ooh, you know, I'm okay not we have a lot of non-humans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, having. Uh, <laughs> Having the having the characters be uh, human, I think, is probably fine. But some of the stuff, like uh, mentor the meek or something, like I don't know, does it need to be a human? You could you could put any creature type on there. So those random like just support cards, I feel like tend to just default to human now. Like whenever you want to just print a random card, it's like ah, I might as well be human. Ah, and I feel like I'd like to see more diversity among the creature types personally. Yeah, like, I feel like, like we just we don't gotta like not have humans. We don't gotta go back to the days when human was not a supported type. Period. But I don't know if like we need to have every other creature printed be a human, which it kind of feels like we're at now, where it's just like so many humans. What if they drop the mechanical aspect of human? 
So like in terms of art and whatever, they're humans, but you no longer have cards that like pump humans or rely on humans and things like that. That would also be acceptable, although maybe that ship has sailed. Like we already have like Jimmy the Parish is really good. Thalia's Lieutenant's really good. Maybe we already have too many payoffs for them to do that. But I think that would be fine. Like if because uh, that's where my concern really comes in is I feel like human tribal is just going to get more and more overpowered set by set just I because mean, they just get naturally. so many more. Yeah, just because they get so many more tribe members than anyone else. So they like have a just a huge natural advantage just because even if most of them are bad, like sooner or later, there's going to be some good ones when you print that many of them. So that's where my main concern comes in is I feel like human tribal in various formats might be too good and keeping the payoffs out of it would definitely help there. But like I said, I don't maybe it's too late already because we already have such good payoffs. Yeah, like just just make I, I I think it's not that it's that it's too late because I I think they should definitely stop now, right? While while they still can before it's just like that's the only type to play because you have so many cool creature types that you could be adding, right? Like you could be playing more, I don't know, sea monsters, serpents, crabs, octopi, right? <laughs> uh, and then you also have like rogues, fairies, things like that. Like I all like I I would love to see them play with more creature types. So. Please just just do that before you make too many humans. It's you're not it's not too late, okay, before you print five more Thalia's lieutenants and and hero like whatever uh uh, uh champion of autumn or whatever, right? Like I I I think I know that they're going to want to finish out the seasons, but I mean at least they should. But like yeah, like right? Like why not? Why not make other I'm positive cool I'm almost positive there's something along the lines of like most people relate to other humans. So, like, you're more inclined to play the game if you can, like, role-play Astalia or something like that. But um, but think about how, how things look today, right? Like, every everything, it, like, when you watch a movie, right? You When you watch anything, it's just always the non-human, right, that people love, right? Groot, I mean, but, but, all but these things. But it's the things. token non-human, right? The, it's, not, it's not a story about, like, 30 Groots, right? It's, like, 30 <laughs> yeah. humans, one Groot, right? Like, you, you, it's like, you know, they're kind of special, right? Right. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I wonder, like, I wonder what the general like fantasy genre is doing with this, right? Like, kind of the, I don't know, the archetype or the race aspect of it. Because like, mechanic-wise, I don't think it makes a difference because you're just gonna punt the can down. Like, if you make, let's say, for every human, you make them now an elf or a dwarf or something. Three sets from now, you're gonna be talking about how OP elves and dwarves are, right? So. Gameplay well, wise, elves are, it, are <laughs> they don't need that much help on it, right? <laughs> like ga- gameplay wise, it's like, eh, but I think from a fantasy aspect, I think it's interesting. Like whether they should keep making humans or maybe people want to be like elves nowadays or zombies, right? Like what what if a set was all zombies, like hundred percent zombies, everything in it was a zombie? Would people still like it as much? I don't know. I think that'd be great. That is that's a that's a that's a good question. If you're listening to this someplace where you can comment, let us know because I'm actually curious if if being uh, having so many humans does serve another another purpose, like Richard is saying. Because I hadn't really thought of it that way. For me, I don't personally. I don't care. Like if I'm playing a whatever a dwarf or a human or a goblin or a zombie, like uh, to me it doesn't make a difference. But maybe for other people it actually does. So I'm curious to hear what other people think. I think the other interesting part of this chart is. 
looking at the early days and just how some creature types that were pretty supported have just kind of fallen out like uh, Jin. We don't really hardly get those anymore. If free, those were in the top three creature types back in 1993. The one that got it worst, I think, is Wall. Wall was actually number one <laughs> in 1993. And if you move, if you move forward, poor Walls. Walls had like a hundred tribe members in like 1997 or something like that, and now they have like 128 or whatever. Like they just do not get support anymore. So I, I think I'm on team more Walls. I think we need more Walls. Uh, fungus. I'm on Team Fungus. <laughs> Wars, gin. But, yeah, we should bring. I mean, we should go to a plane where it's just like, look, everyone here's a gin. <laughs> they all have magic powers or something. There's some guilds or something, and here's what it is. I wonder how that would go. It would be fun to try. I would be. I would be interested to see how it actually uh, how it actually played out. But uh, yeah, check it out. The chart's actually pretty interesting. Uh, Magic data science. uh, You can find it if you uh, are interested in it. Uh, Another question for you. Um, (laughs) So this morning, Mark Rosewater posted an article about mechanics. Uh, Richard, what was this article about? All right. Deciduous. (laughs) Decidui. A new, yes, that's the plural, and also a Pokemon. (laughs) Ah, man of culture. I actually don't know if it's the plural. It's not a... Uh, Well, I mean, the Pokemon part, a man of culture. I see you, Richard. Okay. All right. So, you know, there's the word evergreen, which means uh, it's available in every set, flying, death touch, trample. They want to bring um, along Deciduous, which isn't quite evergreen. But mechanics that designers still have access to in any set where they want to use them. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means whenever they feel like using this, they, they can bust it out and it's deciduous. Uh, how does that differ from non-deciduous? I'm not sure. Uh, but it, it sounds like evergreen, but like less evergreen. So some of the some of the examples given in the article, blood tokens, clue tokens, curses cycling double face cards uh those are deciduous mechanics according to uh to mark rosewater colored artifacts also on the list exactly what the difference is between that and evergreen i'm not a hundred percent sure i don't know where the line is like at what point do you show up in enough sets where you become evergreen from deciduous i i don't know where that line is exactly but i think it's interesting the idea of whether or not we want more of these I think the answer is yes. I know something that's always driven me crazy, and I don't know if maybe I'm reading this question very wrong, is like uh, when a mechanic that existed in the past shows up in a in a new card, but it's not keyworded. One in specific that drives me crazy is uh, is Landfall. Landfall, there's a lot of like Landfall cards that do exactly Landfall, but because they weren't in a set where Landfall was a mechanic, they just say whenever a land enters a battlefield under your control, blah, 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 stuff like that. I feel like it actually makes the game less confusing if you keyword it. If you feel like, OK, we still need to write out what landfall is because maybe a new player opens a pack and they didn't play with one of the old landfall sets. That's fine if you still got to put in reminder text or whatever. But I think that that is the biggest change I would like to see is these mechanics that show up pretty frequently ever, but just aren't keyworded. Just just throw the keyword on there. Like, I think that's fine, even if you end up having, you know, 25 mechanics in a set or something because you got one landfall card because you keyworded it i think that would make the game better right i i think so yeah like i mean like there there is the flavor aspect of magic right that we just 
that is obviously there. Um, and, you know, like, I, I do think that sometimes they, they do, it makes sense that some mechanics don't return, right? Name wise. So, but like, I, so I could see why they would want this, but yeah, like, I don't know. I guess I'm here for it if it makes it so that more like mechanics that we love to see get played elsewhere. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the point of any of this. Like, I understood the point of this way back to keep complexity down, right? Like, for example, surveil is so complicated. You don't want to just jam it anywhere, right? So we won't make it evergreen. But right. cards are so complex today. Like, does it matter? Like, if you, for flavor purposes, want to give a creature surveil in the newest set, then just give it surveil and call it a day. Like, just add the reminder text on it. Like, I don't know why you have to sit here and debate whether it's evergreen or deciduous or something, right? Like, if there's a random vehicle on New Capanna, like, so be mm-hmm. it. Like, is anyone gonna, you know, blow a gasket over this or anything, right? So I I don't understand what this means anymore. Cards are so complicated nowadays. Like, if you use, you know, a blood token outside of the set, add the reminder text so people know what a blood token is, and then on with your life. I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at, too. Like, just use the mechanics that's best for the set. And if that means bringing back whatever mechanic, just just throw it in there. Like, and if you have a random landfall card in War of the Spark or whatever, because, uh, like, Evolution Sage worked well with the proliferate theme, and it essentially has a landfall trigger. Like, I, I don't see the harm in, in doing stuff like that or keywording stuff like that as long as you put the reminder text on there, so... Like, I don't I know, kind of, yeah, kind of a weird question. I bet you most people don't know which keywords are evergreen or not. Like, I don't is, know if I know is, what is keywords are evergreen. Yeah, I, I don't know. Is protection? Is prowess? No, prowess. Can ward be evergreen? Instead, and just hexproof just be undone? Is regenerate evergreen? I don't know. Right? Like, does this mean anything? Not, not anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, who who knows? Who knows? Uh Anyway, I don't know. I think that's all the, the big topics we have, which I think means, Richard, it might be fish mail time. All right. Fish if you mail, have questions, mail, send them to mail. at, at, at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag <laughs> MTGFishmail. <laughs> and we'll get to your questions. Uh, we threw, I threw Richard off with our new we theme might, song. Yeah, we might we need a recording off. of that, Grim, to play every episode. Yeah, I think, I, I think that's canon now. We got to keep doing it. Bills fan 6473. Would MTG be a better game if the stacked worked the way chains work in Yu-Gi-Oh? The way the stack currently works leaves holes for infinite combos and bad gameplay patterns that chains in Yu-Gi-Oh simply do not allow. Uh, Krim, well, what is a chain? <laughs> so yeah, thank you. okay. Yes, yes. Let me let me catch you on up, everybody. <laughs> uh, uh, with us youngins over here. Okay. So the the chain essentially is uh imagine if the stack worked in numerical order. So like it, you know how, like sometimes you can go, all right, I'm gonna play a spell, you cast a counter spell. So what you can do then is either a remand my counter spell or remand your own spell back to your hand. Well, instead, it would just be you're remanding the counter spell. So you can't go oh. back to the first spell. Um, so everything happens in a numerical order. Hmm. This really changes anything. I like that. Can't you still infinite and stuff like this or no? So yeah, I'm trying to think of an example of how this would mess up a combo. Um I mean, like, yeah, like like to me that that's I feel like like putting setting it so that it specifically happens in an order 
Um, is it could be kind of weird, maybe because I'm just just used to magic, right? Like I actually do like the ability to do it exactly in the order that things resolve in. Yeah, maybe I'm biased as a magic player too, but for me, the the stack how it currently works makes more sense than the chain thing. And I think I like that you can interact with something further down on the stack or whatever. Like to me, that feels like an upside rather than a drawback. But I don't know if there's some like crazy combos that this is enabling. Maybe there's an argument for it, but I don't know. I think the stack's fine. I'm sure most magic combos would live through this. <laughs> like I, I think it would make a minor change. Like maybe how you do your counter spell wars matters and stuff like that. But I don't know that it changes much, but I'm not sure. We'd have to give a Bill's fan. Maybe you could give us an example of like why this would uh, change it, and then uh, talk to Krim. <laughs> I'm the official uh, HR you're, you're, you're the, for Yu-Gi-Oh. You're the Yu-Gi-Oh translator. Uh, <laughs> Krim, what's this mean? <laughs> what does this mean? Is, is is it is it has it been reprinted into the ground? That's all I know. <laughs> That's all I know, you know about Yu-Gi-Oh. That you reprint expensive cards into the ground. Yeah, yeah. That that's about that's about true. Yeah. At Time Race this past weekend, Arena held an all-access Alchemy metagame challenge. Can you talk about how this is good for the Arena economy? Two K gems with the possibility of winning five K and thirty packs without having to own a card seems positive. To, wait, wait. So how, you don't what? have to own the cards to plant? <clears throat> Maybe uh, I missed this event. Is this an anyone, event that gives you the deck? Apparently, you you get a free. You can make any deck you want. Let me see. Time to do a quick Google. Yeah, they can submit any alchemy deck, whether they have the cards or not. Oh, well, I mean, events like that are awesome. I don't think that being tied to alchemy really changes anything. Like, you could do the same thing with historic or brawl or standard. So the alchemy part, like, I don't know if that actually matters, but I would love to see more events that allow players to play with cards that they don't own on Arena. I don't think that's... A replacement for making cards cheaper, but I mean, I'm not going to complain if they have some all access events where you get all the cards. I think that's probably a positive. I, I I would. I think the one issue I have had with these all access events is that the queues are obviously not what you would typically see. Right. So I would like for it to be more along the lines of what you would like either a to give it so that you you have a more challenging queue. I would like to see maybe. I don't know. They offer they offer some really sweet prizes. Like, did you know these past two events they gave away showcase skins of cards, and Ooh. that got me hooked. I played the crap out of Arena to get these skins. So now I finally have showcase Kaido and showcase Wandering Emperor, right? Like, and and so they should continue to do that. But uh, like, yeah, like I don't know. I I. I think these cues are 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 fun to like like have now and then but the prizes haven't really been that good until like recently uh but i don't know i, I my, my issue mainly is like how competitive are these cues right so because so were the or is the issue that the cues are not competitive enough is it like people have access to all the cards so they're like hey i finally get to play with jank that i would never spend a wild card on or is it that it's just all the top tier decks since people have access to all the cards like what is what is actual metagame like in these events because i haven't really played them yeah that's a like that's that's the the metagame is kind of like wild at least from the events that uh, that i've been playing it right so mm-hmm. that's it's so, like good like the the problem here is that you want to 
have these wild like you don't want to have to sink a ton of wild cards to play these brews and because you you want to test them against like the meta right like you want to see yeah. like oftentimes i want to know how my de- my like like really random weird deck does against the tier one decks and you don't see that in these queues which is a problem i wonder i wonder if they could solve this with some old school magic online tech which at uh, one point on magic online and they moved away from this but there used to be competitive leagues and friendly leagues where mm-hmm. the competitive leagues would i think they both cost the same to enter but you could charge more for the more competitive one but the competitive one had uh much more top heavy prizes and the the casual one even if you like scrubbed out you were still getting prizes but you didn't get that much if you came in first overall or went undefeated because it was a much flatter prize payout i wonder if there's a way they could do like two of these events and have like one expensive spiky one that would really incentivize people to like play their best possible decks because the goal would be winning and then have another like more casual focused one for all the people that are like wow i actually get to play with you know insert janky against the odds card that you don't want to spend your wild card on but you get access to from this event maybe maybe you could split it up into two events like that and have it work yeah yeah. I mean, it's also uh, how, single how elimination with those leagues. which is awkward, right? Uh, they just let you play after you've lost. <laughs> like, you know, if you pay the money with your jank deck and you lose one match or uh, game, you're done, right? So they just let you keep playing for the whole allotted like seven rounds or whatever, right? Just so you can just yeah. play out your, your jank deck. Okay, next question. Just Dude 45, do you think Shock with conditional but mild upside could be an evergreen card design? Is it better for red decks to be rewarded for building an interesting direction, or would these cards invalidate small creature strategies? Yeah, I mean, there's there's always a shock, and it seems like there's pretty much always a shock in standard, so... I don't know. Play with fire hasn't really broken anything. That's what I'm envisioning with this question, is more play with fires, where it's a shock and you get a slight upside... I don't think that invalidates small creature decks. Uh, we've had uh, white aggro at the top of the meta for pretty much the entire life of play with fire and standard. So I, I don't think it would invalidate anything. And yeah, I'd be fine with doing more of it. I'd love to see more of it. Uh, like, yeah, some form of a shock should should just always be there. Right. Um, and a, like a lot. Believe it or not, I never thought I'd say this, but also just direct damage to the face. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while since we've had burn or red aggro be like a legit deck in, in standard, it feels like. Yeah, feel so like we need lightning bolt with upside. Okay, well, let's let's Ooh. calm down. <laughs> let's yeah. calm down. Like, do you think it's a viable strategy to lightning bolt people's faces? Like, it's a little slow, right? And creatures are so big now that you need the bolt to kill like a two drop, right? So... I don't know. Do you think it'd be that bad for lightning bolt in standard? Yes. I would love to see wizards give bolt a test run in standard again. It's been, it's been almost a decade now. Maybe it has been a decade (laughs) since we've had bolt in standard. You think so? Do you think it would just be way too good? I I wonder though with what Richard said with the creature power creep and things getting bigger, maybe, maybe it would be okay. I mean, maybe like red, red is pretty good right now, actually. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how it got so much better, but red's pretty good right now. Hmm. Yeah, it would, it would definitely shake things up. Like, having your one-minute spell that kills, like, Redanes and kills Archon of Amirias and Legion Angels, maybe maybe that would just invalidate too much stuff. I don't know. I'm not opposed to trying it, though. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> I mean, we had Fatal Push, right? We had <laughs> Fatal Push. So, I don't know. Okay, we'll see. But I think Lightning Bolt needs to be unlocked somewhere, and... I, I mean, I guess I don't know about lightning bolt with upside. <laughs> lightning bolt, but with like learn. 
right? Because there's <laughs> oh, that three geez. mana sorcery. Like, <laughs> is that what you want, Richard? Lightning bolt. Yeah, what, what, what about sorcery speed lightning bolt? I mean, like, I kind of like the conditional bolts that they've been doing, like the three mana. But if you do something, you actually get a lightning bolt, like wizards lightning, skewer the critics. There's a there's several of these that are like if you don't meet the condition it's not great but if you meet the condition it's lightning bolt maybe maybe more of those designs could be good. All right, last question: Two untapped islands. Do we expect wizards will ever turn to a digital exclusive secret layer product tied exclusively to arena or moto with no paper cards? <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, I mean I'm sure they would if they thought they could sell it. But the thing is like, oh. Would you buy a secret layer drop that was arena only, knowing that the cards are like, you can never trade them, they're locked into your collection? Like, is that even appealing? I feel like part of the appeal of secret layers is you sometimes get valuable cards at a discount uh, compared to what you would buy them for in singles. Uh, and I feel like that upside would be missing from arena, but maybe there would be a market to just like pay 30 bucks and get cool versions of, you know, historic staples or something like that. Are those not just like skins essentially, right? Like in-game cosmetics, yeah. right? Like, 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 uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm all for that. Like, I love like Arena should definitely do more cosmetic stuff. Sure. I think Arena would have made a lot of money if they actually invested in like assets, like you know, like anime planeswalkers. Just yeah, ma- maybe yeah, like if do. they didn't actually make anime planeswalkers in paper, but made an Arena exclusive skin for them, and you had to buy them. I think it would have sold a lot. Oh. Right. Yeah. The, the problem is they I always am. just reuse what paper has done. Right. They just take like random like secret layer art and stuff that we've already had. So there's no hype. But if you like actually commissioned artists to make exclusive, um, you know, digital only secret layer versions, I think they would actually sell quite well. And I think they'd be well received, right. actually. Like, again, another thing that w- Magic could have done when I say explore the digital space. Right. Yeah. Like actually explore the digital space. Uh. I wish they had, because that uh, stuff like that, theoretically, would let them make cards cheaper, too. Like, if people yeah. gave them tons like, of money for cosmetics, then maybe you don't have to pay as much for the cards, and people right. can actually play. So, oh, I really wish that was the direction they, that they, Arena, like Arena could have been so much more if they had just done that, right? Like, And I, and like, I love Arena, so I... Naruto crossover. Oh. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Uh, I want to last, see though, Arena. We'll just TV, recycle so. the same ideas we've had for five years. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the the technology is just not there, guys. It's just <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so yes. Thank you to everyone who sent in questions. If you have further questions in the future, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 374 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Graham, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have a great week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. 